Welcome to Pass the Mic, a POC written and produced podcast that is hosted by me, Rahel Haile. Um, so thank you for joining us for our next episode. I'm going to be introducing someone. Eric, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Eric Isidoro. I graduated from the University of Minnesota uh, this past May, and now I currently work at a real estate and development company. Cool. Um, so our subject for today is experiencing college as a person of color. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, but I just want to start out by asking you generally, what what would you say your experience was like? Uh, my college experience, so it was, it was interesting. So let me just start off in high school first. Yeah. Um, so in high school, you know, senior year, I got I applied to a whole bunch of different universities, and I was fortunate enough to get into a lot of them. But I remember when I was looking at universities, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I want to go to a, diver- uh, a school that has a good amount of diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go where I can relate to people. And at the end of the day, that school, I thought, was the University of Minnesota. So I had a couple of options to choose from. I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I actually moved back here right after college as well. So coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was born here, grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then I decided I wanted to do out of state. Uh, And the University of Minnesota wasn't too far from home. I think it was a pretty good distance. That way I can distance myself from Milwaukee. But if I did have to come back, uh, it wasn't a terrible trip as well. Uh, so I went to the University of Minnesota senior year to go tour the campus, and I I just loved it. I loved that it was right next to a big city. Uh, I think Minneapolis and Twin Cities in general are beautiful cities. There's tons to do. Yeah. Uh, and then the University of Minnesota as well, I thought it was pretty diverse, but that was just from the tour, right? Like on the tour, they're always trying to show you yeah. every little good thing, but try to cover up all the bad things. Um, and that's kind of how my tour went. So I remember my tour going in and seeing a lot of people that looked like me because I actually went to the Multicultural Center for Academic Excellence. And I was like, oh, look, they have this that I could utilize if I come to University of Minnesota where I can interact with people that have similar experiences as I do. Um, but shortly afterwards, I was like, well, it's not exactly everything that they said on the tour. Like they try to make it look a lot better than it actually was. Um, but yeah, that's just a little bit about how I like, you know, in re just kind of recapping a little bit, summarizing a little bit, um, the way that they showed it to me wasn't exactly how my experience was. Yeah, I get that. I mean, like I went to the university of Minnesota Morris, so a smaller school, small public liberal arts school. Um, I originally, I'll like go back to high school as well. So I tell this story a lot as like how I got to Morris and people ask all the time, like, Oh, why'd you choose the college you went to? Um, and mostly like I was supposed to go, well, my parents didn't want me to move like (laughs) off at their house. Like they wanted me to live at home and go to school. I think I've said that on a different episode. Um, and so (laughs) we, they wanted me to go to the U of M and I didn't want to go to a super big school. So that Mm -hmm. was out. Um, I got into McAllister, but that is so expensive. If you like know McAllister in Minnesota, like that's, that is so expensive. Um, yeah, it's crazy expensive private. So, you know, yeah, it's terrible. I was like, this is not (laughs) worth it unless I get like a very significant scholarship, which I didn't. Um, and then, 
So mm-hmm. I ended up going to, or I didn't go there, but um, I applied to St. Thomas and I got in with a pretty significant scholarship and it was close enough for me to go home and go to school and like drive. And so that's where I was going to go. And then I was like, mm-hmm. this was until maybe June, like June before I'm starting in August for school of my senior year of okay. uh, high school. And mm-hmm. then I was like, I, could, I don't want to live at home and go to school. Like that is so suffocating. Like I want to be able to learn how to be my own person. And so mm-hmm. I applied secretly to the U of M Morris, not even having been there. I just did some research mm-hmm. and like did their virtual tour. Um, and was like, yep, this is it. <laughs> like we're doing it and applied, um, had a lot of like help in terms of like, um, like I had someone on the phone helping me cause I was doing it alone and that was mm-hmm. really cool. But yeah, I didn't even tour Morris until the day that I registered right. for classes. And so like, I didn't know anything about what it was like. I know there's like, I knew there was a tuition waiver at Morris. Um, speaking of it's indigenous mm-hmm. people's day. Um, and mm-hmm. it, there's, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a, um, tuition waiver at Morris for native students because it used to be a boarding school. Um, which if oh, you don't know yeah, what a boarding school, yeah, if you don't know what a boarding school is, look it up. It's a very extensive history. Um, but yeah, they have that, but then partially like with the native students that go there, like some of them are white passing, some of them are not. Um, but that's like the, I, I just saw today that apparently 20% of their students, um, are native but that's like goes mm-hmm. down to like one thirty second, um, and gotcha. <laughs> in terms of like other POC, there wasn't really a way for them to like introduce us into this Morris culture and be able to bond together. Um, it's a very small school, with like one thousand seven hundred students, um, and there were POC there. We just like the only way you could bond with like other POC was being a part of a club, um, like BSU, um, or ASA or all of these things. And I was like really deep into doing student organizing, um, Mm -hmm. and like registering my like fellow classmates to vote. And so I didn't have time for it. And I really wish I had -hmm. prioritized it because that totally left me, with less like POC and specifically black friends. Right. For sure. And I think that's something that I was, I was kind of already, I already had the mindset going to the university. I was like, okay, uh, universities, they're majority white. Right. So it's going to be difficult to try to find people that I can relate to. It's going to be difficult to try to find people that are Latino, Latina as well. Uh, so I actually decided when I was going to go move into the dorms, I joined a group, uh, called Casa Sol, which it was it was a uh, living learning community at the U of M. So basically, it was uh, I don't exactly remember the description for Casa Sol, but all of us lived on the same floor. We took a class together, and it was great. Like That's it cool. was people that I could actually relate to, and I think just having that experience from the get go made my experience a lot better. But I couldn't have imagined how it would have been if I didn't join something like that just right from the beginning. Like, I'm trying to think, like, okay, if I were to do freshman year all over again I, and I didn't do Casa Sol, like, I think my college experience would have been a lot different and I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it. Uh, at the same time, 
I think there's a lot of organizations on campus as well, so if you are trying to look for people that you can relate to, that is an option at the U of M, but uh, like the school that you went to, you said how small it was. I can only imagine how difficult it can be if, if you aren't even able to find organiza organizations with people that you can relate to. Yeah, and there were some, I will say, like, and this is like my oversight with this experience. I did not come in thinking that way. Like, I was like, okay, you know, I knew that most of the people at like colleges or whatever are white, but I didn't come in with that mindset of like, I'm going to meet people. I came in with the mindset mm -hmm. because in high school, I did so many things to the point of me like mm -hmm. having panic attacks like i was just super involved and so oh, yeah, i came sure. into college and i was like i'm not gonna do anything no clubs that's it like i need to take a break and just like focus on right. school and then that's what i did and then it kind of bit me in the ass um in terms of like yeah that experience like i, ha I had and mm -hmm. made great friends but like in terms of bonding with other poc having similar experiences it only happened a handful of times. For sure. And I was like that in uh, high school as well. Like I would wear myself out. I was in all these different clubs. I was, you know, a lot of the time it was just so I can get a scholarship eventually. Yeah. And luckily I was able to. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a uh, Gates Millennium Scholar for the 2014 class, which is only given to a thousand students every year. So I was pretty fortunate for that, but, you know, I worked my ass off for that. And yeah. then in uh, college, I I was like, okay, yeah, like, let's focus on my school too. But after a while, I think it just gets very lonely and you want to interact with someone you can relate to. You want to make sure you have that support system. And, I, and that's kind of where I just started to be a lot more involved at the university. Uh, my freshman year, I don't think I was part of any club other than Casa Sol, which... Uh, it wasn't really a club to begin with because we just all lived on the same floor and that was kind of it. Obviously, we took a class together uh, and we got to know each other that way. But in terms of being involved, being involved with an actual student organization on campus, I didn't really do much of that. Um, and my second year, I started to be a little bit more involved, joined a whole bunch of different clubs. And I think that also helped out a lot, too, because I know the first year was it was by far the worst year of my college career. Adjusting, Same. living by myself, everything like that. It's just something brand new and you need that support system. You need to find people you can relate to. Yeah, I almost so. transferred um, like halfway mm -hmm. into my first semester to the U because I was like, at least there are gonna be more people here. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And my experience like Yuvan Morris, especially when I went there was is full of like people who are on the left. I wouldn't say that they're all great people on the left, but you know, mostly people right. on the left. Um, and mm -hmm. my floor was like one of the only floors with like almost all Republicans, which was another mm -hmm. bad thing. Um, because right. like- what are the odds? Yeah, like what are the odds here? I was so pissed. Um, and so like my experience then was really bad and I had to like go to other floors and make friends with other people. And you know, there are already not that many POC in the first place. So it, I really wish that I had thought about it beforehand and been like, hey, you grew up in Woodbury, Minnesota. Like, you grew up in a really white place and you didn't like it. Like, why don't you make some effort? And I didn't. And yeah, mm -hmm. that's like, that was my experience pretty much. Right. And I think that's also something that nobody ever even tells you. Like, coming out of high school, nobody tells you. Like, everyone's like, yeah, apply to college. Go ahead and get to uh, an accredited university, something big, you know? But they never tell you, like, hey, like, 
when you go to university, there's not going to be many people like you. Um, yeah. And at times you'll feel lonely. You can't relate to people. I remember the first year, like, just meeting a whole bunch of different people, right? Like, I wanted to be a little bit more uh, extroverted than I was in high school. In high school, I was a little bit more introverted. Um, but I remember going to college. I'm like, all right, this is a new start for me. I want to meet some people. I just want to get to know someone. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time... It was, you know, white people. I couldn't really relate to stuff that they talked about or, you know, their experiences. So it was it was a little almost lonely. And luckily I was living on Casa Sol's floor, so I didn't experience that much. But like I said earlier, if I weren't to join that group, I, I'm sure my college experience would have been a lot different. And I probably would have wanted to transfer and just be closer to home since I was already comfortable with that, you know. Yeah. And, like, I think part of it also, part of my, like, lack of planning before, I think, comes with the way I was raised. Um, like, my parents are immigrants um, from Eritrea. They, you know, there's a lot of anti-blackness in, like, immigrant communities, like, even African communities. Um, I won't say all of them, but like that sometimes is a factor. And so I was raised, I had to like develop my own race analysis and I had to like do that myself because I was never taught that. Like I was taught like you have to, you know, work twice as hard to get half, but like also surrounded by white people. And I also, you know, was told like, you are not like other black people and like, don't be friends with them. Like that was how I grew up. Um, and so halfway, like I realized myself and I made my own friends and all of that stuff, but like no one told me that and I didn't have anyone to like talk to about it. Um, so I think like, right. I think like the lack of planning also comes with that. For sure. And I think it's also something that, like I said, people don't even really tell you when you're going into college. Because um, I, you know, I had a different experience. I grew up here in Milwaukee. Uh, most of my friends were pretty diverse in high school. And I just wasn't ready. Like, people were saying, okay, yeah, go to college. It's going to be different, though. Like, there's going to be a lot more people that you're not going to be able to relate to just because you have grew, grew up in this uh, specific, you know, situation, different part of the city, etc., um, and it's just something you can't even plan for. Like, sure, someone will tell you, oh, yeah, like, you're, there's not going to be a lot of you. And you'll be like, okay, that's fine. The people that I do see, cool, I'll be able to find some people like that. But, oh, man, is it hard to find people that you can relate to that have similar experiences as you. It's just, it's something you can't prepare for. No, you yeah, honestly. And, like, I wanted to say, obviously inserting like an obvious point that like we're both privileged for going to college and having the opportunity to for go to sure. college. Um, and also yep. wanted to say that like, I can see now us like only getting through halfway of our experiences, how people like how dropout rates for like queer and like POC people are so much higher because there are less mm -hmm. mechanisms to like support these students and support like having a community for them. And so, right. I, you know, I can see that and I can understand that now um, and understood that through yeah. college too. But I just wanted to insert that in there because I feel like it's a needed point to make when we're talking about experiencing college as a person of color. 
For sure. And you bring up a great point because, uh, unfortunately, the dropout rates for a good number of minorities, like, it's just extremely high. And I feel like a lot of that also just has to do with not being able to find your place. It's a lot harder to find that support group because if you don't have a support group that's like, hey, man, this is going to be tough right now, but watch next semester, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, I made it through. It's not that bad. And they're going to keep pushing you and pushing you to make sure that you're going in, uh, doing your work and not wanting to drop out every other week, right? Yeah. Uh, having that support group is important. And if you don't have that support group, then, you know, a lot of the times you're just going to be like, you know what, I don't need to do school. I'm going to do something else. And that's when you drop out. Uh, So being able to find a place to fit in is extremely important. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a high dropout rate for minorities. Um, I, I know in my experience, like freshman year, I met a couple of Latinos, Latinas, and after a couple of years, like, I just never saw them again. Like, uh, it seemed like they dropped out. They were just nowhere to be found. Um, and those were the people that didn't even really try to find a support group or people that they could relate to. They just went in, did their work, and then after that, I just never heard from them again. So, yeah, and I don't I think, know, just something that I wanted to point out. Yeah, no, totally. And, like, I think it's also, like, the college, and it depends on a college, too. Like, for me... You know, sometimes I think about how I regret not going to a historically black college um, just because I feel like the community and the environment is different. Like the university and a lot of universities are built for white people. And so Mm -hmm. and they originated as like for white people. And so when you come in, Mm -hmm. that experience is like immediately tainted. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, even though like you're there and you're working and you're working hard to find a support group. Like that is always a factor. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that just like, yeah, sometimes I thought like, think about it and I've thought about it the past couple of years. I'm like, what would my experience have been if I went to like a predominantly black college? I probably way different, right. you know? Mm-hmm. It, I'm pretty sure it would have been. And, you know, unfortunately there's not like a predominantly Latino, Latino university yeah. or else I would have, totally jump the boat and just like, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'll I'll meet people that I can relate to. Um, But no, you're right. Uh, Universities are built for the white majority. And, you know, there have been strides to try to better that and try to make sure that, you know, there's people of color able to and succeed at the universities. But unfortunately, I feel like some of those efforts aren't they're with a good intent, but they're not the right way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think some people see that as well. I totally agree with that. Um, Do you think, like, I want to know what your interactions were with, like, other students, like, starting Mm -hmm. with other POC, whether that's fellow, like, Latino or Latina people or just other POC, Mm -hmm. and then also with white Mm -hmm. folks um, at college. Because I feel like, those interactions kind of shape your experience as well. Yeah, they really do. Uh, So like I said earlier, I joined Casa Sol my first year. So I was surrounded by Latinos, Latinas. And, you know, I think it was a pretty good experience. That way I at least had people that I could relate to. Uh, Second year, I actually ended up joining a uh, student group on campus. It was actually a cultural center called La Raza Student Cultural Center. Uh, And it was the Latino Latina Cultural Center. I loved it. Met a good amount of people in there, people that I could relate to. And the second floor of Kaufman at the University of Minnesota is 
amazing. That's by far my favorite place at the university. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the second floor of Kaufman at the University of Minnesota, that's where all the cultural centers are. So that's where La Raza is. That's where BSU, the Black Student Union is. Uh, AISEC, the American Indian Student Cultural Center is there. So it's just one of those places where you can go in, just say hi. Everyone's really friendly. Uh, the cultural centers are open for everyone. You can go in there, study. You can go and meet people. Uh, I remember we had FIFA, so people would just come in and it's like, hey, like I don't want to do some homework right now. Just run and relax. Let's play a game of FIFA. It was great, right? Um, so I was lucky enough to get involved into that community, and I was able to join the student organization, plan events, all that stuff. So uh, throughout my college career, I was surrounded by that diversity that I was looking for. Um, but I think the struggles really begin when you start seeing, like, oh, like, this university doesn't necessarily want these groups to succeed, yep. or they prioritize other things over what really should matter. Uh, for example, I remember being part of La Raza, and it seemed like year after year they were cutting our budget lower and lower, uh, and some of the events that we threw were like, well, are we going to be able to throw it this year? Uh, the budget's probably not going to allow us to do it. Let's try to do something else that might be cheaper, right? And it got to a point where it started to get very frustrating because, you know, we were preparing for these events a couple months in advance, uh, but we still didn't know, like, oh, are they going to cut our budget? Are we even going to have enough money to throw this uh, yearly event that we usually throw? And, you know, it just it started to become very frustrated, and towards the end of my La Raza tenure, it was, it was just not even fun for me anymore. It was just kind of like a chore, which sucks, unfortunately. And a lot of that did have to do because of the uh, university and the stuff they thought was more important. But, you know, unfortunately, it is what it is. Yeah. And um, I totally understand in terms of that, just because I've worked a lot at the U, like, you know, I work with young people and my other jobs have been primarily at the U. So I understand like the U of M Twin Cities experience just because yeah. I've like talked to a lot of students that were part of BSU, La Raza, all that stuff. And also uh -huh. talk to them about, you know, the cultural studies departments being cut. Um, like all of these things that are built to help POC, like the few things that were helped, like built to help POC are being cut now. And so it shows where their priorities uh -huh. are. Exactly. And I remember, uh, I think it was my junior year or something. I remember M MK got a whole bunch of tutors and staff. They just they just gutted a lot of MK, and the funding wasn't there anymore. And it was just so sad to see because a lot of uh, a lot of these students actually went out to protest. And hey, this isn't right. Like these are our mentors, these are our role models, yep. and you're taking people that we can relate to, people that are actually supporting us and wanting us to succeed, away from the community. It, it's just not right, and it just kind of shows what the university values, and unfortunately, diversity is one where they'll say they value it, but in action, it obviously, it, they don't really care about it as much, you know? Yeah, and I, I think this is this can be paralleled at other universities, but mi that mixed with, like, the gentrification of the neighborhood around the university is just, like... Mm -hmm you can just totally tell where the priorities are. And then the funding, also the funding that goes more into like sciences um, and they see that as For a sure. priority. 
you know, they say there's no funding, but there is. They just don't put it where it should be, you know? Yeah, exactly. They want to focus on one thing over another and year after year, like tuition goes up, it seems like, like, it's ridiculous, you know, you're asking students for more money, but where is that money going to? Like, I really don't care about having a new football stadium or one we already had is fine, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's something that's just going around all the universities in the nation and not just the U of M, uh, you know, not just in Minnesota or Wisconsin. It's something, it's a national thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you know, the U of M is a Big Ten school. I would be very surprised if this wasn't paralleled at other Big Ten schools. Um, yeah. I think also, do you think that your experience would be different if you weren't in Minnesota? That's a good question. Um, the other university I was looking at is University of Wisconsin-Madison. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a couple of peers from high school go to UW-Madison. Um, they were also minorities, right? Yeah. And I remember going on Facebook one day and seeing these posts about some of the stuff that was also going on at uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison. And I'm over here like, okay, well, I'm in Minnesota. It's a pretty liberal state. And, you know, things where diversity isn't valued or, you know, things that are just hateful towards minorities are happening uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison, it's always happening. So I can only imagine it's also happening at universities throughout the nation. Yeah. I mean, the Wisconsin-Madison is actually a really good like comparison just because I've heard mm-hmm. a lot. And I, I mean, this might be wrong, but, you know, to me, it just seems even whiter um, or like mm-hmm. even just like more, like just worse. Um just because of the state it's in and, you know, everything else. Um, But yeah, I like totally like understand that. I was thinking about like... But yeah, so to answer your question, I felt like I didn't necessarily answer the question well enough. But to answer your question, I, I think it would have been slightly different. The nice thing about Minnesota is that it's it's very liberal. um, And there's a lot of people that you know, have the same values, the same thoughts, same political beliefs as I do. Um, whereas, like, let's say over here in Madison, you know, Wisconsin's a red state. Um, it tends to be a little liberal, but there's also a lot of uh, conservative people that end up going to the uh, to Madison. So yeah. I do think it would have been a little bit differently. Um, yeah, it would have been different for sure. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, I think Minnesota and you think, like, Minnesota nice, passive aggressiveness, all of those like terrible Oh my God, that is one of the worst things that I, that's one of the things I hate about Minnesota. I'm not going to lie. Like over here from Milwaukee, like everyone's just so direct, like, and that's kind of how I am too. Like if I don't like something, I'm just going to be like, I'm calling you out, right? Like, Hey, you're not doing this and that. I'm calling you out right now. But then in Minnesota, everyone's so passive aggressive about it. It's just, it's one of the things I hate it. I hate it too. Um, Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, I think, <laughs> Anyways. I think about like, you know, how our experiences were shaped by that too. Cause like there is, you know, Minnesota is more liberal than Wisconsin, for instance, but it's also like a different brand of racism. Like, you know, I feel like I've talked, I was talking to someone else um, who lived in the South and they were like, yeah, it is more racist, but it's also more direct. Like you can just see it and then Mm -hmm. like turn left here. 
It's right. like, you know, you're kind of coerced. You think this person's kind of a good person because they're like kind of nice to you. Mm-hmm. And then you just like five minutes into the conversation, I'm like, oh, you're, you know, you're completely racist. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So right. <laughs> I think that like experiences in Minnesota are also shaped by that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I know there's a lot of people in Minnesota, especially like, yeah, Minnesota nice, but then that nice also means like people will kind of hide their beliefs just to be nice to you and be respectful to you, which I mean, that's totally fine. But then after talking to them a little bit, yeah, you kind of see like, oh, this person might be racist and like, but oh, they won't listen to you ever. Minnesota's different. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. I was reading an article. Very weird. That. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was reading an article a while ago, and it just popped into my head now, about how mm-hmm. people who are transplants from other states who move to Minnesota, like, have a really hard time mm-hmm. finding friends because, like, of our, you know, weirdness. It is. It's pretty weird. Like, yes, Minnesota nice. Like, people are friendly, and people... You know, they don't want to seem like a bad person, but I think it's almost like it's not genuine. And I think that's what a lot of people out here or people that come from outside of the state, like they see that, like, oh, like you're pretending to be nice, but it doesn't seem genuine enough for us. Uh, So that that could be the case. That article might be correct. I haven't read it, but I'm always open to reading and seeing if I can relate to any of those stuff. Yeah, they like interviewed a bunch of people that like came from other states and they were saying, like, oh, yeah, this was my experience, and I've lived here for 10 years, and I don't even have that many friends, you know? Um, right. Especially because they didn't go to college here. They came here after. Um, so, like, I totally – I can totally see how that happens. For sure. Yeah, I can see it as well. It's uh, Minnesota is an interesting state, and its people are very interesting as well. <laughs> I, you, you know, you used interesting a lot. That's very Minnesotan of you. Yeah, very Minnesotan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also want to talk about like your academic experience at, in college. Like, I feel like we can talk about the environment all day. Um, but I also want to get into your academic experience and Hmm. like how, if you think, if anything, if it was swayed by being a person of color or if other people of color have different stories. Right. Personally, I think... My college experience was interesting. So my first two years, I was actually a computer engineer major. Um, I gradu—I ended up graduating with a communications major, leadership minor, you know, two completely different things, right? Yeah. Uh, but I remember going into my first year, I had to take all this math, I had to take all this physics, and unfortunately, my school didn't really prepare us for the math and the science that it was going to take place at a university. I remember going into, it was my first semester, I had to take pre-calculus because in high school, it was a weird situation where my pre-calculus teacher left halfway through for the first semester. And for a couple weeks, we had the substitutes. And then after that, we finally found a teacher, but I don't really feel like I learned anything. He'd really just give out A's like literally it was so bad we were playing cards in the back of the classroom I always had in the back of the classroom with some friends we played cards and we got we all got A's in that class like we just played cards every single day or games 
So, yeah, I wasn't really prepared for pre-calculus or anything like that. Um, but anyways, I got to the university. I had to take pre-calculus just because I was like, all right, well, I have to take calculus for my major. I don't feel like I'm prepared enough. Uh, so I took pre-calculus barely past that just because uh, university teaching is very different. Yeah, it is. Um, compared to high school, right? And then I remember I was like, okay, whatever. I learned some pre-calculus. I'm pretty sure I can go ahead and tackle calculus one. Uh, and I remember going to Calculus One and, you know, just sitting with different people every now and then trying to, you know, start conversations. So it's not super awkward sometimes, um, especially, you know, you're a freshman, you want to meet people, you just want to say hi, put yourself out there. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I remember just like, oh, yeah, Calculus One. Some people are like, oh, yeah, I have to take Calculus One again. I already took this in high school. This is like a refresher course for me. And I'm just over here like, oh, okay, well, I've never learned Calculus One. Let's see how it is. And I remember it was like 200 people lecture. Yep. The teacher had a very heavy accent, so I never understood what she was saying. And it was just extremely difficult for me to try to understand what was going on, try to catch up. And I tried different ways to learn. I was on YouTube looking for videos on how to do this and that. Um, I tried to find people to help me out, like classmates that actually understood what was happening, and I still felt lost. And I I feel like I was, um, I don't know the exact word for it, but I just wasn't prepared for that, and the university didn't really help me or take into take that into consideration for the majority of people. They think like, oh yeah, calculus one's probably going to be a refresher for a lot of people because uh, other high schools in the nation, especially wealthier ones, are going to offer classes like AP Calculus, uh, AP Physics, all that stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, I didn't have that opportunity coming from uh, um, from Milwaukee. Uh, the Milwaukee public school system isn't one of the greatest. Um, so I did feel like I was at a disadvantage there. Which was unfortunate. Uh, I ended up failing calculus. I went up to calculus two. Calculus one, I barely passed. Calculus two failed. I had no idea what was going on throughout the semester, and I was just like, "Nope, changing my major. I can't do that." Uh, so that's one way in which I felt like I had a disadvantage going into uh, academics. And another way where I had a disadvantage as well is just a lot of social issues that were going on. Um, like, for example, I don't know if you heard about uh, that time at... So Paint the Bridge happens every single year at the University of Minnesota. Yep. And essentially what happens is you go ahead, uh, each student group gets, gets a little panel, and you get to draw something on there that represents your student group, right? Yep. Uh, uh, being in a couple of organizations throughout my college career, it was always a fun event. Uh, a lot of times I didn't get a chance to go and paint since I had classes, but every now and then I'd just go and help out as much as I could. I remember one year the universe, or which organization was, it was the College Republicans. Uh, this was 2016 when Trump was up oh. against yep, I uh, remember Hillary this. Clinton, right? Yep. So, and I remember my fraternity, Sigma Lambda Beta, actually had a panel right next to them. And I remember I was in class that day and I couldn't help out painting, but I remember someone sending on the group chat like, hey, like this is what the college Republicans are putting up. And it was a panel that said, they had two panels, one of them that said Trump, Pence 2016, you know, whatever, like everyone is entitled to their own political beliefs. But I think the thing that really got to me was on the panel right next to that, they had two panels. It said build the wall. And 
that was... I feel like it affected me a lot more than people think it would affect someone just because wording like that isn't just a phrase. It's, it has real-life implications. It almost makes me feel unwelcomed, right? And it's hard to learn in an environment where you just feel like uh, nobody wants you there, right? Yeah. And then I also remember being part of La Raza, and it always falls on La Raza and other Latino organizations to speak out about that stuff. So, you know, we had to put out a uh, a memo out there, an announcement saying how the Latino organiz- uh, how the Latino community on campus feels, et cetera, et cetera, which is sort of bullshit too because we don't speak for every single Latino as well. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that is that was one thing that it I feel like it did hinder my academics a little bit because I just couldn't really focus. I was like, okay, I'm on campus, but I don't really feel welcomed. And not only that, uh, there was actually a radio station that made news about this build-the-wall thing and all that stuff, right? And I remember, I don't even remember what show it was, but it was a local Twin City show. And I remember listening to it. Someone sent it on a group chat. They're like, hey, they're talking shit about La Raza, like saying you guys are victims, like uh, you guys are trying to manipulate your people to think they're victims, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, what are the most ridiculous things I heard, like legitimately coming towards an organization that I was a part of and basically saying like, oh, you guys, you guys are manipulating your own people to think you guys are victim. Like what's wrong about the phrase build the wall, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, it really did affect my academics. So I do feel like, I was also at a disadvantage in that place because, you know, everyone else was fine. They could just brush it off. Oh, yeah, it says build a wall. That's terrible. I'm going to go back and do this essay. Whereas for me, I was like, oh, this is build a wall. Like, I don't even feel welcome. Like, I don't even want to come to campus today just because I don't know what's going to happen after this. Yeah, and you just stare at all the people there and you're like, which one of these people wants me here? Which, you know, like you, yeah, I can totally imagine how that can, you know, affect your academics and the way of life that you're even, like, experiencing. Yeah, you're right. You know, just going to campus, like, you don't even see people the same. Like, a lot of times that's on your mind is like, oh, does this person even want me to be here? Uh, You know, how many of the people that are in my class, they're not going to speak out about it, but how many of those people actually think that way, you know? So it's, it's one of those things that'll distract you from your academics, for sure. Yeah. I think our campus was, like I said, you know, more towards the left, but I did have some experiences that really affected me. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, you just like think about it. And you, like I was saying, you walk around, you see all of these white people and you're like, which one looks at them and sees just, you know, a black person entrenching on their like, you know, space and which one like want, like, which one of these people wants me here? And I don't want to like go through that translation in my mind when I'm already doing that in everyday life. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, especially when social issues come up on campus where it seems like you have to side with one side or another, and then you're a person directly involved in it just because of your ethnicity, your cultural background, the color of your skin. And it's really unfortunate because then, you know, it translates over to the classroom sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's even a topic of discussion depending on what class you're in. And it can be a huge distraction because 
uh, in classes sometimes, it's unfortunately, but like sometimes since you will be the only minority, um, it never happened to me, but I've heard of stories where like a teacher or a classmate would be like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you, you know? And it's so unfortunate just because all of us don't think the same exact way and we shouldn't be the voice for a whole community, a whole culture, a whole ethnicity. It's just not fair. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to, like, expend emotional energy on, like, you're already, you know, dealing with it. You don't need someone targeting yeah. you in a class and being like, oh, what do you think about this? Like, you know, why, you know, why are you asking yeah. me? And you can't be rude to that person yeah. or that professor because they're grading you. And so, Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I totally, like, sympathize and, like, like understand that from a personal level. Cool. Right, for sure. And I always thought it was one of those things that, like, you just hear on, like, maybe a television show where they're trying to be extremely dramatic about something happening on campus. But dramatic stuff happens on campus that will probably distract you from your academics um, with those kind of social issues. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah. Cool. Um, that was heavy. Um, just like reliving, <laughs> like reliving four years, five years of your life. Um, right. Just flashbacks and you're over here like, um, yeah. okay, well that was an experience. Yep, exactly. Um, so we're gonna, you know, let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, and sure. do something that's not really called anything but i just made it up and i like ranking things it's a thing about me i don't know why but i like to um and so i'm gonna say a category and you're gonna say the top three things in that category um all right awesome and a lot of them are food because i'm hungry right now so you know whatever (laughs) um so we're gonna start with your top three favorite desserts top three favorite desserts okay um i love ice cream vanilla ice cream even without any toppings i'm pretty sure that'll be one uh second one will be cheesecake and third one will be cookies pretty much any kind of cookies except for raisin or oatmeal I don't I like love those. oatmeal raisin cookies and I also hate cheesecake. Wait, you like you like the combination of both of those like Yeah, the they're they're usually Yeah, in one? they're good and they're always soft. <laughs> if they're soft they're one thing, but I just I don't know. It's just a weird combination. Like I want I prefer chocolate chips over raisins. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's like the, you know, reasonable popular answer. I people think I'm weird when I say I like oatmeal raisin cookies. <laughs> It's definitely an unpopular opinion. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, I'd say for me, top three favorite desserts. Yeah, mine are all ridiculous um, in terms of like people are going to be like, wow, she's, you know, too much. Um, but in no particular order, um, tiramisu. Uh, okay, tiramisu is good. Tres leches. Um, oh my god yes that's so good yeah honestly um and creme brulee so like (laughs) those are all i've never had creme brulee creme brulee is very good i had an earl gray creme brulee recently it's very good Mm -hmm. um i gotta try that that sounds good yeah it's very good 
Um, okay. But Tres Leches, I should have put that in my top three. Tres Leches is so good. It is Tres so good. Cake, like, I'll have that any time of the day over those three. So I changed my mind. Tres Leches is going to be number one. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I'm glad I influenced you. Actually, I didn't influence you. It's right. your dessert. Um, but uh, cool. Uh, second is top three meals. Top three meals. Um, I'm going to have to say I love tacos. Tacos yep. are good. I'm a weird person, though, because I don't really like anything on my tacos other than the meat and, like, you know, some flavor onto it. But tacos like that, I love uh, tacos. Second one would be burgers. Yeah. I'm always down for a good burger. Um, and the third one, I don't know if I really have a third one. But one thing that comes to mind, I just say pizza because you can literally put anything on pizza That's except true. for pineapple. And the other day, I saw pickles on a pizza, which I thought was really weird. Wait, are but, you, like, you for or against pineapple? I am against pineapple. Wow. I don't understand wow. why there is a fruit other than tomato on a pizza. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I love pineapple on pizza. <laughs> what? What's the? Like, I've I've had pineapple peaks before, right? But I don't understand, like, the taste of it. It confuses me. Because <laughs> on one hand, you have, like, the cheese and the tomato that can be a little salty or, you know, have different kind of seasonings. And then you have pineapple, which is sweet. Like, I don't understand that combination. You don't like salty-sweet combination? Oh, well, I mean, is it even really that much healthier than, like, let's say having two slices of pepperoni on No, <laughs> I mean, it's not healthier. I just like the taste of it so my go-to pizza if i'm ordering like a shitty pizza from domino's i uh-huh. usually get a thin crust um pineapple and jalapeno pizza which is weird interesting <laughs> I, that yeah i don't i just i'm not a fan of the pineapple on pizza i don't know i just it's a weird combination uh, flavor combination for me it's so. okay we can agree to disagree um, yeah, we can agree. To agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I'd say injera, which is an Eritrean slash Ethiopian dish. Um, tacos is also one of mine. I love tacos. Mm-hmm. And I also love just a taco, like a you know corn tortilla with um, steak, onion, and cilantro with some lime. Um, that's my so favorite. Yeah. Um and then third is sushi. I just really love sushi. Oh, sushi. Um, okay. And then, so like, uh, like actual sushi, like the one with the raw meat? Yes. I, it took me a while okay. to get into it, but now I just love uh-huh. it. So, um, yeah. And then, Interesting. I've never been a big fan of just, like, the raw meat sushi. Like, I'll always go for California rolls, which is basically sushi, but the meat's actually cooked. Yeah, and so, that's how I started. I know, maybe something I should try a little bit more. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's how I started. Like, I just ate a shit ton of California rolls. And then I was like, okay, I'm scared, but I'm going to, you know, jump into this. And then eventually I started liking it. Yeah, interesting. Maybe that's something I should do. I don't know. I'll see. It still kind of weirds me out, but... Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'll see. <laughs> um, also, like an honorary mention, I love bagels. So, um, I don't know why. Bagels. I really love the sugar... What is it? Sugar and cinnamon bagels. Yep. Those are so so good oh my god like if i can have one of those in the morning it'd be great but uh, i don't think they're that healthy for you anyways, <laughs> so i'm kind of glad i don't have them that often <laughs> i used to work um 
in high school. And then when I came home in college, I used to work in a bagel place. And so now I can't get store-bought bagels because like, they're not good enough for me, which is ridiculous, but (laughs) so that's That's true though. There's something about like getting, getting them from an actual bagel store that just, it tastes 10 times better compared to like the ones that you just get at the store and you know there's like 10 of them in a pack or something like yeah, that yeah they're like refrigerated it's weird yeah it is i can see fresh bagels always a way to go yeah cool uh next is your top three sports to watch this can either be live or on tv top three sports so for sure basketball is number one love watching basketball i'm excited for the season to start in I think it's about nine days or so now, a little less than two weeks. So basketball number one. I like I like watching football for number two, but recently I haven't been watching that much food, football. Uh, I don't I, even though there's games every single Sunday. I don't I don't even turn it on and watch any games. I'll just watch highlights on Instagram on House of Highlights or something like that. Yeah, and that's about it. And number three, which is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I really love baseball. Uh, especially right now that the Milwaukee Brewers are heading to the National League Central, uh, yeah, National League Championship Series. Uh, the city of Milwaukee's pumped. So I love watching baseball. Though I'm a huge Brewers fan, and even though people think it's boring, I like I like that slow pace. I like the pitcher versus batter duel. But there, there's an unpopular opinion for you. <laughs> I mean, it is because you know I I don't like watching baseball, but I get it. Like. You know, I won't give you shit for it. I just don't yeah. like it. There, there's an art to it. There's an art. It's hard <laughs> to throw a ball 98 miles per hour plus and then even harder to hit something going that fast. So that's why I like watching it. It's very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I I really like watching, same with basketball, but specifically college basketball. I don't know why specifically yeah. college basketball, but like to me, it's more mm-hmm. interesting um and tennis always um been playing Mm -hmm. since i was six so i like have to you know i'm very into it obviously um and then soccer (laughs) and then soccer um soccer's up there i i feel like soccer might end up taking football for me just because uh i don't know there's also an art to soccer where it's it's very strategic and a lot of people don't give it enough credit, like how much strategy can actually go into soccer matches and all that stuff. But it's a lot of fun to watch as well. It just kind of sucks that a lot of the big soccer, soccer teams play all the way in Europe. So I can never go out to enjoy a game. And if I do have a chance to watch it on TV, it's probably going to be later at night, early in the morning. So that kind of sucks as well. Yeah. My brother is super into soccer. Um, He wants to like be a professional Um, so he, Mm -hmm. my dad got him like an extra channel on the cable just to be able to watch soccer matches, um, which is ridiculous, but like, yeah, which is ridiculous, (laughs) but like, yeah, he's, he's up all the time watching soccer. Yeah, it's. It's a great sport. Um, I never really got into it just because growing up, I never really played soccer. I was more playing basketball and baseball. Yeah. Soccer, I suck at. Like, even right now, if someone's like, hey, let's go play soccer, I'll be like, um, yeah, let me think about it. I'll see. <laughs> just not that good at it. But I'm, I'm pretty decent at basketball. And then I grew up playing baseball, so that probably is also another reason why I like watching baseball. Uh, yeah, soccer's great, too. Yeah. 
I played basketball, but I was I really sucked at it. Like I played in eighth grade. And if you know me or have seen me, like you'll laugh at this, but I was a post because I grew taller than all of the other like women. And so uh-huh. me, like Rahel Haile, as a post in basketball was not a move. It was not good. <laughs> um, and our like basketball. I actually. Uh-huh, go ahead. Oh, and our basketball coach was like really mean to me and is just terrible. Anyway. Uh, that sounds like a terrible experience. I I was also, growing up, I was usually the tallest person in my class. I never played for school, but I did have a, a basketball hoop out here in just, like, my little driveway. And I remember, like, just having friends over, especially during the summer, we'd play every now and then. And I remember, I like, I'd always be in the post just because I was taller. And then come high school, like, okay, I probably peaked. I was already, like, five foot nine or something like that, and I never really grew anymore. And then I had to adjust, and I couldn't really play the post anymore. But anyways... It was still a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Um, okay, last one. This is also in the dessert family. Um, what are your top three candies? Candy bars. Top it can be also, candies. you know, yeah, candy in general. Huh. Okay, so I'm going to go with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I don't, the Reese's Pieces are okay, but I prefer the uh, Peanut Butter Cups. Same. Second one would be Crunch Bars. Crunch are so good. Okay. I feel like those are one of the most underrated chocolate bars. I am so glad you said that because I got into an argument with someone (laughs) recently about it, which is why I keep putting it whenever I play this or that with guests. I always put Crunch Uh versus Butterfinger on there because... I did a Twitter poll once. Oh my god, totally crunch. Yeah, and Pete, like Butterfinger won. I was so pissed. How? What? I know. Like I was never that big of a fan of Butterfinger. Like if I saw it in the store right next to a Crunch Bar, like I'm pretty sure ninety percent of the time I'm going to pick the Crunch Bar. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I was very angry. So I'm glad you said that. Okay, third. <laughs> uh, third one. I'm going to have to go with M&M's. Like, it's just something about M&M's, which is so simple that it's literally just a little ball. Like, it's it's basically like, what, a chocolate chip, like an oversized chocolate chip with a little bit of candy coating on the outside. So I really like M&M's, just the regular ones, no nuts and um, or pretzels or whatever stuff they're putting into them now. Just the plain old M&M's with just chocolate in them. I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I respect that choice. I also don't like peanut M&M's. Um, it's just interesting. It's interesting some of the combinations they've came out recently for M&M's. Like, I've seen a pretzel in one, and yeah. a caramel, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's, it's interesting. Go with the classic. Um, mm-hmm. So, mine, I really like Twix. Um, I also really like... Twix are so good. Yeah, someone in my office doesn't like Twix, and her and I just, like, get into mini fights about it. It's really funny. <laughs> Twix would be up there. I'm pretty sure Twix would be number four for me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good candy bar. I um, Second is Kit Kats. I like Kit Kats. Kit Kats are good, too. Mm-hmm. I also like the Kit Kat, like, dark chocolate ones. I like both. Um, but the white chocolate ones are bad. You know, I don't think I've ever had... Yeah, I was never that big of a fan of the white chocolate ones. I don't think I've ever had a dark chocolate Kit Kat. They are. I don't, I don't think I've seen them at the store, actually. Yeah, they're only in some places, but when you see one, you should try one, because... I think they're good. 
If you like dark chocolate, they're good. All right, I'm going to be on the lookout for one of those. Cool. I mean, it depends on the dark chocolate, but, you know, I'll eat something dark chocolate, and it gives a little twist to some candy bar, so I, I'll, I'll be tempted to try that one out. Cool. Um, and third, which is like ki- like kind of a candy that no one knows about, or everyone passes by, um, which is a hundred grand. Have you heard of it? I, I've never heard of that. No. It's like my ex used to say it's an old person's candy, which is false. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it has uh, chocolate, caramel, and crisped rice. So kind of like crunch in the crisped rice, but also has caramel, also has chocolate. Hmm. Um, I like them. Interesting. I'm going to have to be on the lookout for that one, too, just because I, I, I like anything crunchy. That's why I prefer crunch, because it's just it's so crunchy and it's chocolate at the same time. Perfect combination. Yeah. So I'm going to be on the lookout for that as well. And then if I do end up finding it somewhere, even though I've never seen it before in my life, I'll let you know what I think about you it. You should let me know. That'd be awesome. Cool. That's all the yeah. <laughs> top three things I have for you. Thank you for joining me, Eric. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Oh, yeah. No, this was, like, dope. I wanted to talk about the POC experience in college for a while. Um, I just never mm-hmm. got around to it, so I'm glad we did it. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm glad we finally were able to touch upon the topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, – oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> let, me, let me start again. <laughs> I hate this. Okay. It's always ending it. That's always the most difficult I can't, part of it. I can't even end phone calls. It and ending it. Yeah, I can't even end phone calls. Like, this is just, uh this is a personal flaw. Oh, yeah. It's one of the most awkward things, sometimes ending the phone calls. Like, at my work, I'll be on the phone pretty often, and sometimes I don't really know what to say. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it takes some time to try to come up with a good ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, telling everyone now, the way this like stupid this is Rahel signing out peace thing happened was because we were doing the first episode and um Micah who was on a different episode was like hey you should think of an ending before you record like let me know what you pick and you know me being me I didn't do it and I sat there and we were (laughs) about to end this podcast and I was like oh shit like I don't know it I don't have an ending and so that's how this started. So, you know, whatever. That's And now it's your signature. It's, so you yeah. have to do it at the it's end my of every brand. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to end it now. This is Rahel signing out. Peace. <laughs>